I still think it's important to ask the patient, are you comfortable with the injection and are you having any discomfort of it? Sometimes it's just a technique of injection. It's pushing in too hard and so forth or manipulating or using the same area all the time. So if you see that someone is failing potentially from non-adherence, asking about injection site reaction is not a bad idea without going into too much detail. That was Dr. Ron Vender, the founder and director of Dermatrials Research Incorporated and Vender Innovations in Psoriasis. Uh, Dr. Vender is a dermatologist based in Hamilton, Ontario, whose expertise is in psoriasis. He's our guest in this episode of JCMS Author Interviews. I'm your host, Kirk Barber. I'm the editor-in-chief of the journal Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery, and I'm a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Calgary. Today, we're thrilled to have Dr. Bender back to our podcast to discuss the article he co-authored in the July-August issue of the journal Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery. His title is Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of Injection Site Reactions in Randomized Controlled Trials of Biologic Injections. And as a reminder, this article is open access, so it's outside the paywall on the GACMS website. All right. Well, welcome back, Dr. Bender. Thanks for joining me again for another JCMS podcast. Uh, I know our audience can't see us, but I have my Montreal Canadiens jersey on in honor of your presence. I hope they have a better year this year. I know. I, I really hope so, too. You know, since one of my sons moved away to Vancouver, I'm not following the Habs as much as I used to. I'm still a fan and I still want them to win, but you know, it's a it's a long it's a long shot every year. All right. Well, tell me, you've got an article in our journal on injection site reactions, which I've kind of not even thought too much about now that we're in our tenth or twelfth biologic. And if it happens, I just ignore them. But uh, tell me what you learned, or, or what? Tell me first off why you looked at it in such depth, and then let's go through what you learned. This injection site reaction question and um, problem has been around for us for a long time. And until certain patients tell you about it, you don't think that it's a big deal. You think that it's just the needle that's, that's being injected. And what prompted this article was the fact that the injection site were not, reactions were not looked at enough in depth. And we just thought, okay, it occurs with a specific biologic all the time and it doesn't occur with other biologics. And it's always this one particular biologic or two particular biologics. And now with the biosimilars, especially for adalimumab and the discussion that the Americans were having a Humira that was citrate-free and would sting less, and that TALTS, Ixikizumab, was having a citrate-free that would sting less, I said, you know what, let's just look at all of these injection site reactions and see, is it only Humira with the citrate? Uh, is that the only reason? Is it only uh, TALTS with the citrate? Well, I didn't think so, but until you really look at it, it's it's hard to to prove it. And so, thankfully, we had this article uh, published in the JCMS, and I think it's a great, great value. 
it was done with two medical students, um, one of which is the son of, uh, of Dr. Perla Lansing, the prominent dermatologist in Toronto. So I was very happy to work with um, him. And uh, they did a very good job. And it was not easy to supervise. There's a lot of statistics that they certainly understand that I really didn't understand uh, everything. But it was the bottom line that I really wanted to, to find out. And we could have just uh, focused only on the biologics for uh, psoriasis, but you know, there's other biologics there. So I, I wanted to be sure that we covered all the biologics that we have. Let me take you back into what is an injection site reaction when you started to go through the um, reports in detail. I mean, is it only those things that cause pain or is it only those things that cause swelling? Or is it when you look at injection site reaction in this kind, in this statistical manner, is it everything? that could possibly happen at that site? You know, it's so nonspecific. There's no great definition for it. There are uh, several accepted type of uh, injection site reaction meanings or definitions that can be explained. So, for example, is injection site reaction that just causes, dis- you know, after an injection, discomfort for the patient? You know, is 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 yeah. that is that what it is it's but what do they mean by discomfort what happens if it's just swelling does that count if it's just redness that's a sort of an injection site reaction without necessarily causing pain or discomfort some patients will say you know after i inject i get this this big swelling that occurs and then it does go down some people say you know what it 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 hurts so they have this pain and other people talk about itchiness uh, paritis as well. And some people just say, I had a reaction. Like, I don't know what that means. And this was reported in, in all the, the clinical trials as well, just like reaction, injection site reaction, without truly defining what type of specific reaction it was. Redness, pain, itch. Those are the sort of the most common uh, type of reactions um, that patients uh, complained about. Uh, some patients complain that it feels cold. That's sort of a reaction. Uh, other people said that they bruised uh, or um, had uh, a rash around the area or had a bump, like a nodule that occurred. These are all injection site reactions uh, that we can use. And so it's so nonspecific. When you were sorting through all this data, did you include all of these types of reactions in your evaluation? And I guess that's what makes it so hard to figure it out. So we did. And there are like, you have something like like a, 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 a medra term, like bruising 0.7% overall, whereas you have hematoma, which is 1.2 and ecchymosis 1.5. Just because the terms, the medra terms that were used are overlapping with each other. And it wasn't up to us to decide that bruising, hematoma, and ecchymosis is all the same thing. We could have combined, combined it all, but that's changing the specific definition um, where uh, we had irritation, 1.3%, and rash, 1.2%. You know, is that the same? But we did have uh, the most common term was erythema, 
that's uh, for sure, or redness, which was almost 43% uh, of uh, the type of injection site reactions that were uh, reported. Uh, and there was over 1,500 injection site reaction in 71 studies. Yeah, in these studies, were you? do you think it was the prevalence of the incidence? Do you think it was once you had one, you were counted, or was each event counted? When in, in each the, event. Each it event was, was counted. Each event that was, that was counted. So it could be multiple injection site reactions uh, per, per patient, per uh, study. Yeah, so so the, the when I read through the article and read through the statistics, and what I came back to sort of, sorting out in my head to try and figure it out was how many people actually discontinued because of the injection site reaction. And that to me is, you know, the most meaningful part of this discussion, I guess. Um, and the, probably the only thing that you can actually, that's a hard stop. I mean, it's the only thing that is crystal clear. Yeah, that is, that is correct. Um, now, not everybody would necessarily report that the drug was discontinued due to an injection site reaction, but in those that did report it, it was it was uh, only about thirty percent of the studies that reported that. So you had injection site reactions that occurred in a specific study, and then you had discontinuation of drug. But was the discontinuation of drug due to the injection site reaction? And that was only 30% of the studies that reported that, that on treatment discontinuation in injection site reaction was the cause. So does that mean that the other 70% just didn't report it? I don't know. Or was that not the reason? I don't know. But as a reason for discontinuation, only 30% of the studies said that was a, a particular reason. 70% of the studies had discontinuation, but not injection site reaction as a reason for that which is interesting like it was like it's like zero you know yeah well well so listen how i manage them is i tell people don't stop your drug if you can tolerate the reaction my experience has been for most of the biologics the reactions get better over time or people stop reporting them because they're so happy with the result that they're willing to put up with the reaction that occurs at the site in your review, was there any reason to stop drug if they were having reactions? Did, did it did it interfere with the effect? Did it create other side effects? Was there anything that should make us wary of that approach? No, they didn't state that, uh, that discontinuing because of that. A lot of patients think it's an allergic reaction. That's not, that was not uh, discussed at all. Um, and there's no... Uh, danger in continuing with the uh, injection site reactions that was not discussed. However, we know that an injection site reaction because of this, let's just call it discomfort or this reaction that occurs could reduce the adherence and, and, and the, uh, of the drug and the persistence of the drug. And so in those where patients insist on discontinuing it, uh, then you're switching not for lack of efficacy, but for uh, an adverse event, which or an injection site reaction, which I would consider an, an adverse event. And okay. quite often, as we know, when we switch or transition biologics for various reasons, the majority of the reason 
is lack of efficacy and not because of adverse events. That's right. very uncommon to have to switch because of a, a, adverse events. These, these are uncommon. Uh, and so with that, you know, with that um, discomfort that they could have and that lack lack of adherence that could occur because of this, whereas patients, you know, will tell you what you want to hear. Are you injecting every two weeks? Yes, 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 but they're not. And then, but my skin's getting worse. Are you injecting? Is it painful when you inject? Does it hurt? Do you have any kind of reaction? No, 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 no. You know, they don't want to seem like they had problems. And then uh, their skin may be getting worse and may force a switch which is really due to injection site reaction, lack of compliance, and nothing to do with exacerbation of disease. And it's exacerbation of disease because of lack of compliance. Yeah, well, they may, people may consider that injection site reactions aren't enough to allow us to switch therapies. And so they have to see loss of effect. That's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. And it's mm-hmm. something that, that uh, the person that doesn't understand that loss of effect is a reasonable reason, if you will, to um, to switch their drug, particularly now they have so many choices. I mean, remember back when we used to have so few choices, if you got an injection site reaction, you just crossed your fingers that these people would keep on drug because you didn't have anything else to offer or they didn't have access to through their insurance to anything else. So, um, so I think, I think um, the great choices made it a little, our jobs a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. So tell me, in in uh, have you have you had any success in treating these injection site reactions with warm compresses, cold compresses, you know, it's any pers- kind of pre-treatment? You know, I think it's we didn't discuss that in the article. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, in my practice, the injection site reactions, I try and have them rotate areas of injection. Some people uh, get their injection site reaction in the thighs, but don't get it on the abdomen. And other people, it's the opposite. I just can't fathom if I was going to inject a biologic injecting in my thigh. For me, I'd rather inject in my abdomen, maybe because I have a little bit of extra padding there. Uh, However, injecting in the thigh to me, and and we didn't look at, there was no report as to where, what area, anatomic area. But practically in, in my clinic, I asked patients to try and rotate it. And I asked them, it's like, does it only occur when it's in your in your thigh? Then, you know what? Inject in four quadrants of your abdomen. You're not injecting that frequent anyway. Do it that way. Other types of treatment, you know, it's the infliximab pre-treatment, not with cortisone, but maybe a Benadryl an hour before, but that makes someone tired. So I try and use a non-sedating type of antihistamine before. I don't think that applying corticosteroids after is very beneficial after the reaction occurs some people will use ice themselves so and maybe an advil or a tylenol an hour before with a non-sedating antihistamine but we're just winging it you know and maybe that second time they inject when they pre-medicate they may not have even have got an injection site reaction because as you mentioned before you usually get injection site reaction and it gets less throughout time and it um, it it recurs occurs in less frequency as well. So not only does the, is the severity get reduced over time, it's less frequent as well. Yeah, um, yeah you know, who knows at this stage? Now, 
You know what? And when I'm t- teaching about biologic use, I've actually stopped talking about injection site reactions in my in my preamble and what are the side effects. I I, I don't even mention it. And I'm not even and that wasn't conscious. I just I'm seeing it less and less and less often that I'm not remarking on it any longer. I think that I was surprised in the in the in the in the prevalence of the injection site reaction. Um, if we're talking about what we use, canakinumab was the highest, but we don't we don't really use that. Uh, but if you look at like dupilumab at eleven point four percent, it was eighteen hundred eighty eight patients. I was I was surprised. Now the question is, you were surprised is, at how high it was. Yes, yes, me too. I, I was surprised, and 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 it, and ixekizumab eleven point two. So that's the drug that gets the bad rap. So if you say to a resident or to a derm, okay, which biologic has the motion zexin site reactions that's given sub-Q? And it's going to be ixekizumab. And it gets a bad rap. And I didn't like that. I, I said, there's, there's no way because I have patients that get it with all the biologics. There's not a biologic that I know that does not have an injection, a potential for injection site reaction. And we found that etanercept as well, 11.4% almost for over 4,000 patients. Now, you may say, wow, that's high, but and that's a lot of patients. So the newer the drug, the less patients, the less patients, maybe the less injection site reactions that you're counting. But in, And so as time goes on, the oldest biologic, like one of yeah. the oldest etanercept, had, had 11.4%, more time to report. And incidence as well. It's injected more often. Yes, that's so that, true. So that, so yeah. that, that, that I thought, because I, I, I've never thought of the Tanercept as being one of the drugs. And as you say, it was usually ixekizumab. And it was sort of, um, well, we, well, that one, we started out talking about the injection site reaction. And as you said, um, it was one of the ones that was a, it was almost a gimme that, it, yeah. that people were going to re- react to this. And uh, it's fascinating that that's not what you found. And, and uh, you know, in, in clinical practice, I think, I think it's. I think the statistics are closer to reality than what we thought at the time. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't see that much in the way of injection site reactions with ixekizumab. And and it's interesting. Like for example, uh, secukinumab and rizinkizumab are very very low. So secukinumab uh, about twelve hundred patients, uh, almost two percent, and rizinkizumab zero point eight percent with seven hundred patients. Okay. So why is that unusual? And and like you said, if you're in if you're injecting with multiple syringes, so two syringes per dose secukinumab, two syringes uh, per dose rizinkizumab. Until now, that 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 has changed. You would expect that the more that you inject, the more chance that is, and that's not so. Right. And. And, and is it only citrate that's causing it too? Is it only the citrate that's in the ixekizumab? Um, I don't think so. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, it can't only be citrate uh, because then nobody would make a drug with citrate if that was the only thing, fearing that patients will start to will discontinue it due to uh, injection site reactions. And so yeah. the company's going to take it away. And I remember we spoke 
to uh, Lily about these injection site reactions with ixtacizumab. And we said, it has to be the citrate. And they said, no, no, it's not the citrate. And it ended up that it was the citrate. But I, I remember in advisory boards that we that we talked about that. And and that's okay. Uh, and and I, I, I just don't feel that it's ever a reason not to use uh, etanercept, not a reason not to use ixtacizumab or dupilumab. We have very, very effective, focused, safe drugs for atopic dermatitis and, and psoriasis uh, uh, and those three that I mentioned. And if it benefits the patient, then because of a potential of a, of a 10% a time of an injection site reaction, it's not a reason to not use it. Uh, at all. Right. Well, it's an event we understand. We we may not understand the why, but we understand what to do when it's present. So, and that is nothing. And we've learned not to fear it by the numbers of patients that we now have uh, treated. And it sounds to me like your review article has put the the, the final stamp on things. It's uh, really defined it exact, well, as exact as it can be defined for mm-hmm. us. And uh, there's been some myth busting and uh, some some uh, sort of thinking about how uh, the reality is very different than sometimes the, uh, the, the uh, rumor, I guess. Exactly. Uh, and uh, I, I think that it, I just needed to be able to clear the air that it's not always one particular drug or a, a class of drug. I just needed to be sure of that. And I've always thought about it. And and as we saw injection site reactions being reported for anti-IL-23s, then, you know, like, was it common or not common? I don't know. And, and I think that sometimes you just have to ask the patient as well. It's not always reported. The patient may say, well, I'm not going to be a wimp. I, it's a needle. Uh, I guess it is going to cause a bit of discomfort, whatever. Uh, if you ask specifically and you ask, do you have any itchiness where you inject, any swelling, any redness, bruising, and you can go through all the terms. Because if you just say, do you have an injection site reaction, the patient's <laughs> going to be like, "I, yeah, I faint because I don't like needles. That's an injection uh, reaction, but not a sight reaction, <laughs> in a way. Well, and I always think it's nice that our younger colleagues, uh, two of whom you've had uh, work on work on this paper with you, um, support what our clinical sense uh, tells us, and uh, maybe add a little twist to it uh, to to make us uh, continue to think about uh, about the drugs. Well, thank you, Ron. Is there anything else you learned that you wanted to bring forward? Uh- I think that it, that I still think it's important to ask the patient, are you comfortable with the injection and uh, are you having any discomfort of it? And sometimes it's just a technique of injection. It's pushing in too hard and so forth or manipulating or using the same area all the time. So I think that that is one thing that I learned is like, um, yeah, we can ignore it. And, and say, well, you know, it's going to happen and it, it'll usually improve over time. Uh, but if you see that someone is is failing uh, potentially from non-adherence, asking about injection site reaction is not a bad idea without going into too much detail. Yeah, I, li- I really like the, the question you just brought forward. Are you comfortable with the injection? Mm-hmm. As an open-ended question. Because yes. 
you know, all kinds of things might come out of that. Yeah. All right. A clinical clue. Well, thanks, Ron. I really appreciated the time you spent with us. And uh, as always, uh, I enjoyed your expertise and your clinical insights into this, uh, th- this common problem, or maybe not so common problem as you've shown us. Thank you very much for having me and inviting me to speak about this podcast. I hope to do uh, many more. And I want to thank you for your uh, editorial uh, position and hard work that you do for our journal, the JCMS, which has actually uh, become very, very important in the the international world of dermatology. And it's not just the Canadian journal, but it's still recognized internationally. And I want to thank you for your hard work in that. Because I wouldn't do it, that's for sure. All right, thank you very much. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kirk. Well, once again, that's it for this episode of JCMS Author Interviews Podcast. I hope you enjoyed your time with us and have a clinical pearl or two to take away to your practice. If you enjoyed this, uh, please give us a rating, review where you listen. It helps uh, more people find these interviews. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a future episode and share this with your colleagues on social media. If you're looking for more great CDA podcasts, be sure to check out Dermalogs. Uh, This is our resident podcast hosted by my colleague, Dr. Kerry Purdy. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Kirk Barber. And until next time, be good to each other.